Section 49 of Commentary on the Epistles of Paul the Apostle to the Corinthians, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Commentary on the Epistles of Paul the Apostle to the Corinthians, Volume 1, by John Calvin. Translated by Rev. John Pringle. 1 Corinthians, Chapter 10, Verses 25-33. to Whatever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience' sake for the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? Whether therefore ye eat, or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offence, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. 25. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles. He has spoken above of dissembling in connection with idolatry, or at least, as to those actions which the Corinthians could not engage in, without professing themselves to be the associates of the wicked in their superstitions. He now requires them, not merely to abstain from all professions of idolatry, but also to avoid carefully all occasions of offence, which are wont to arise from the indiscriminate use of things indifferent. For, although there was but one kind of offence on the part of the Corinthians, there were, at the same time, different degrees of it. Now, as to the eating of food, he makes, in the first place, this general statement, that it is lawful to eat, with a safe conscience, any kind of food, because the Lord permits it. In the second place, he restricts this liberty as to the use of it, lest weak consciences should be injured. Thus this conclusion is divided into two parts. The first relates to liberty and power as to things indifferent, the second to a limitation of it, that the use of it may be regulated in accordance with the rule of love debating nothing. Anacrinasthai, the word that Paul makes use of, means to reason on both sides in such a way that the person's mind vacillates, inclining now to this side, and then to that. Accordingly, in so far as concerns a distinction of meats, he frees our consciences from all scruple and hesitation, because it is proper that, when we are certain from the word of the Lord that he approves of what we do, we should have ease and tranquillity in our minds. For conscience' sake, that is to say, before the judgment seat of God, in so far as you have to do with God, there is no occasion for your disputing with yourself whether it be lawful or not. For I allow you to eat freely of all kinds of meat, because the Lord allows you everything without exception. 26. The earth is the Lord's. He establishes, from the testimony of David, the liberty which he had allowed. Psalms 24 verse 1 and 50 verse 12.
but it will be asked by some one, what has this to do with the point? I answer, if the fullness of the earth is the Lord's, there is nothing in the world that is not sacred and pure. We must always keep in view what the question is of which the apostle treats. It might be doubted whether the creatures of God were polluted by the sacrifices of the wicked. Paul says they are not, inasmuch as the rule and possession of the whole earth remain always in the hands of God. Now what things the Lord has in his hands, he preserves by his power, and consequently sanctifies them. The sons of God, therefore, have the pure use of everything, because they receive them no otherwise than from the hand of God. The fullness of the earth is an expression which is made use of by the prophet to denote the abundance of blessings with which the earth is furnished and adorned by the Lord. If the earth were stripped of trees, herbs, animals, and other things, it would be like a house devoid of furniture and every kind of utensil. Nay, more, it would be mutilated and disfigured. Should any one object that the earth is cursed on account of sin, the answer is easy, that he has an eye to its pure and perfect nature, because Paul is speaking of believers, to whom all things are sanctified through Christ. 27. If any one of them that believe not invites you. Here follows an exception, to this effect, that if a believer has been warned that what is set before him has been offered to an idol, and sees that there is a danger of offence being given, he sins against the brethren if he does not abstain. He shows them, in short, that care must be taken not to hurt weak consciences. When he says, and you are willing to go, he intimates indirectly that he does not altogether approve of it, and that it would be better if they declined, but as it is a thing indifferent, he does not choose to forbid it absolutely. And certainly there could be nothing better than to keep at a distance from such snares, not that those are expressly to be condemned, who accommodate themselves to men only in so far as conscience permits, but because it becomes us to proceed with caution, where we see that we are in danger of falling. 29. Conscience, I say, not thine own. He always carefully takes heed not to diminish liberty, or to appear to take from it in any degree. Thou oughtest to bear with the weak conscience of thy brother, that thou mayest not abuse thy right, so as to give occasion of offence to him. But in the meantime thy conscience remains, nevertheless, free, because it is exempted from that subjection. Let not, therefore, the restraint which I impose upon thee as to outward use, become by any means a snare to entangle thy conscience. It must be observed here that the term conscience is taken here in its strict acceptation, for in Romans 13.5 and 1 Timothy 1.5 it is taken in a larger sense. We ought, says Paul, to obey princes, not merely for the sake of wrath, but also for that of conscience that is, not merely from fear of punishment, but because the Lord orders it so, and it is our duty. Is it not reasonable, too, that we should for the same reason accommodate ourselves to weak brethren, that is, because we are to this extent subject to them in the sight of God? Farther, the end of the commandment is love out of a good conscience. Is not the affectation of love included in a good conscience? Hence its meaning here is, as I have already stated, more restricted, inasmuch as the soul of a pious man looks exclusively to the tribunal of God, 
has no regard to men, is satisfied with the blessing of liberty procured for it by Christ, and is bound to no individuals, and to no circumstances of time or place. Some manuscripts repeat the statement, the earth is the Lord's. But the probability is, that some reader, having put it on the margin, it had crept into the text. It is not, however, a matter of great importance. For why is my liberty? It is doubtful whether Paul speaks in this way of himself, or whether he makes this objection in the name of the Corinthians. If we take it as spoken in his own name, it will be a confirmation of the preceding statement. In restricting yourself for the sake of another man's conscience, your liberty is not thereby made subject to him. If in the name of the Corinthians, the meaning will be this. You impose upon us an unjust law in requiring that our liberty should stand or fall at the caprice of others. I am of opinion that Paul says this of himself, but explains it in another way, for hitherto I have been stating the views of others. To be judged, then, I explain here as meaning, to be condemned, agreeably to the common acceptation of the word in Scripture. Paul warns us of the danger that must ensue if we make use of our liberty unreservedly so as to give occasion of offence to our neighbours, that they will condemn it. Thus, through our fault and our unreasonableness, the consequence will be that this special benefit from God will be condemned. If we do not guard against this danger, we corrupt our liberty by our abuse of it. This consideration, then, tends very much to confirm Paul's exhortation. 30. If therefore by grace. This argument is similar to the preceding one, or nearly so. As it is owing to the kindness of God that all things are lawful for me, why should I act in such a manner that it should be reckoned to my account as a vice? We cannot, it is true, prevent the wicked from reviling us, nor even the weak from being sometimes displeased with us. But Paul here reproves the forwardness of those who of their own accord give occasion of offence, and hurt weak consciences, when neither necessity or expediency calls for it. He would have us, then, make a good use of our benefits, that the weak may not have occasion of reviling from our inconsiderate use of liberty. 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, lest they should think that in so small a matter they should not be so careful to avoid blame, he teaches that there is no part of our life and no action so minute that it ought not to be directed to the glory of God, and that we must take care that, even in eating and drinking, we may aim at the advancement of it. This statement is connected with what goes before, for if we are eagerly desirous of the glory of God, as it becomes us to be, we will never allow, so far as we can prevent it, his benefits to lie under reproach. It was well expressed anciently in a common proverb that we must not live to eat, but eat to live. Provided the end of living be at the same time kept in view, the consequence will thus be that our food will be in a manner sacred to God inasmuch as it will be set apart for his service. 32. Be not occasions of stumbling to any. This is the second point which it becomes us to have an eye to, the rule of love. A desire, then, for the glory of God holds the first place. A regard to our neighbor holds the second. He makes mention of Jews and Gentiles, 
not merely because the church of god consisted of those two classes but to teach us that we are debtors to all even to strangers that we may if possible gain them first corinthians nine verses twenty and twenty one thirty three even as i please all men in all things as he speaks in a general way and without exception some extend it by mistake to things that are unlawful and at variance with the word of the lord as if it were allowable for the sake of our neighbour to venture farther than the lord permits us it is however more than certain that paul accommodated himself to men only in things indifferent and in things lawful in themselves farther the end must be carefully observed that they may be saved hence what is opposed to their salvation ought not to be conceded to them but we must use prudence and that of a spiritual kind end of section forty nine